1: I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me today as we explore ways to increase our mindfulness in our day to day experiences. Let's start with the breath. The breath is our most powerful tool for getting centered, rounded, and calm. If you're able to, breathe in through your nose for a count of one, two, three, four. Now slowly release the breath through the mouth for a count of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. One more time. In, 2, 3, 4. Exhale, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Repeat this breath work any time during the day when you feel stress rising, or when you notice you've lost your focus. If you'd like to follow a guided meditation, please visit our YouTube channel at Work to Live. The most common description I still hear from people is that they feel overwhelmed. I think it's really important to consider that most overwhelm is self-generated although there are complex reasons as to why that's true. First, many people do not say no. They could be perfectionists and worried about how saying no would make them look, or they could be people-pleasers who are afraid to say no because they don't want to disappoint someone. Or they could have low self-esteem and need to be needed. Or they could just have developed a habit to say yes to everything. Saying no is a part of setting healthy boundaries. If you're struggling with perfectionism, people-pleasing, or low self-esteem, you're not alone and there are plenty of techniques and programs available to assist you in overcoming these self-limiting behaviors. If it's a habit, you can break it by consciously practicing saying no until it overrides the yes. Second, and especially in Western cultures, we've accepted that being busy is a sign of productivity and success, even though that's a myth. We've been conditioned to believe that we need to be constantly busy and we're absolutely judged if we slow down. But in reality, slowing down allows us to actually think, gain clarity, make better decisions and fewer mistakes, and allows us to respond to events versus reacting to them. Studies indicate that mindfulness actually increases productivity while there are zero studies on busyness doing so. These two factors lead us to overcommitting committing ourselves. We did an exercise last week in a workshop called What's on Your Plate, where participants fill in a picture of a dinner plate with everything they're dealing with, from work projects to kids to volunteering to family to personal care. One participant commented that she needed a platter because the dinner plate was not big enough. After the plates are filled in and they can see that they have way too much, we asked them to choose three areas they could reduce even by 10% or eliminate altogether through changing expectations, delegating, or asking for help. What's the first thing to go? Self-care. What's the one thing you never want to remove from your plate if you want to be well and enjoy success? Self-care. I checked in with Kimberly Smith on how we might shift out of these behaviors and others that limit us cause us to feel overwhelmed, which drastically decreases our well-being, and which basically wears us down. Kimberly Smith is a resiliency coach and founder of Encompass Coaching. She is a native New Yorker, proud Houstonian, truth seeker, mental health advocate, yogi, and mother. Through coaching services, speaking, and writing, Kimberly helps busy and ambitious women suffering from chronic stress and exhaustion get a grip so they can build mental stamina, increase energy and resilience, excel personally and professionally, and move confidently through life's challenges and transitions. Kimberly has a B.A. in sociology and psychology, is an internationally certified life and career coach, and spent 10 years in corporate talent acquisition for a variety of industries. She is a servant leader, passionate about dissolving the stigma around mental health, and dedicated to empowering others, to live more authentic lives full of passion, purpose, courage, freedom, and adventure. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me, Teresa. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. One of the things I wanted to start right off the bat with is that I really believe the majority of people everywhere are really experiencing some level of stress right now, Mm. you know, varying degrees, but... Everyone I talk to is stressed about something. Mm -hmm. So I want to know if you think, I know men have stress, I'm not saying that, but do you think women experience stress and anxiety more and why do you think that if you do?
0: Sure. Well, that's a great question, Teresa. And I do think that, and I know that because that's what the statistics say. Um, Statistics for even just say anxiety disorders in themselves, women are 50% more likely to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder than men are. So the statistics are there and the numbers don't lie. So, so yes. And, and, and also just from my personal lived experience as a woman, as a mother, as somebody that worked in corporate America for many years and now runs a business and um, just, you know, we wear many hats. We have a lot on our shoulders. Again, not to um, dilute the stress that men may experience, because I think they also have a unique experience that needs to be honored. Uh, but yes, we, I think we do
1: have higher levels. I noticed on your website, you had mentioned something along the lines of um, people just sort of believing that stress is a normal part of life, so they accept it. And I don't think they realize that state of being pretty much robs us of our joy. I was really wondering, how how do you get people to recognize that they don't have to be stressed all the time?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that comes in different ways for different people. Um, I think sometimes it's as simple as letting somebody know, right, that that is not normal, right? Like we I think we absorb that from our culture from our work environments from our families the way that we grew up if we grew up in say a very stressful chaotic household that maybe it was financially stressed or there was a lot of fighting or abuse or anything right when we come from stressful environments we expect that life is to be stressful right and also we're bombarded with messages that you know um that we have to suffer or sacrifice and you know that subconsciously, you know, gets ingrained in us, in our psyche, that this is normal. This is what being an adult is all about. This is what life is all about. It's hard. And I just, I I reached a point in my own life, uh, Teresa, where I refuse to subscribe to that belief anymore. I am here for only a predetermined time that I'm not aware of when will end. So, you know, I want to make the most of it. I want to be happy. And I I think most people want that for themselves. They just, they haven't given that permission to themselves. And, you know, frankly, you know, it's not anybody's fault. We're just subject to our own environment and our culture.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think too, some of it is this busyness that has become part of the culture. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you're not busy, there's something wrong with you, and I think that's where a lot of this gets generated too. So they're everyone's filling up their like every second of their day to be busy, even mm-hmm. if it's not something productive or you know you have to throw self care out the window. Or there's I think it is a lot cultural. I I agree with that
0: definitely. And and busyness is often mistaken for success right? and happiness. So yeah, it's all wrapped up and intertwined. And there's some untangling there to do for sure. <laughs> A huge paradigm shift,
1: if you ask me. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because I, you know, we do workshops and we use some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques in some of those workshops. And one of the, the regular ones I use, even if it's not part of the workshop, but I just scatter it through is recognizing and trying to change the word should to could. Yes. Yeah. So they literally get like a prize if they catch somebody saying should, because I'm trying to get people to see like the energy between should and could is enormous. And it really affects us every day. And just recently, I had someone in one of my workshops say there have to be shoulds. Mm. And I thought, oh, gosh, she's so far (laughs) on the on the unhappy side of life at this point, if that's what she believes that everything has to be shoulds. And (laughs) so I was wondering if you could share maybe one technique or tip or whatever it is that you would use. Just to help someone that's really embedded in that sort of paradigm, that everything is should and everything is have to, how would you perhaps help them shift into a different perspective?
0: Sure. Well, and, and that type of black and white thinking, right? The right and wrong is very heavily tied, and I'm sure you know this, to perfectionism and people pleasing. And at the core of perfectionism and people pleasing is really just the desire to be loved and accepted as we are you know, again, um, from a lived experience, we may have learned that if we don't do X, Y, and Z, then there are negative, you know, repercussions or consequences, or even just negative feedback. So perfectionism and people pleasing is really our attempt to outsmart ever feeling those negative feelings ever again, right? So, you know, when we're in that mode of black and white thinking much like your tactic. I love the word I choose, right? I choose to do this. I get to do this, right? Like your life, you need to be in the driver's seat of your life. Your life is not driving you. And so if you feel like you should do something, I think backing up and asking yourself some of those introspective questions of why do I feel like I need to do this? Who is this benefiting? Is this going to help me get to the place that I'm hoping to get to? How is it benefiting me? You know, we're, again, we're told that we need to sacrifice for other people. We need to put ourselves on the back burner. And it's really not productive because when we neglect ourselves, we just can't bring our best selves to our family, to our jobs, to our children, to the lives that, that need us so much. So yeah, I love the word I choose because
1: it's very empowering. I agree. We use that a lot in the podcast, that yeah. it's a choice. Everything's a choice. We can make it. Is. A choice, but a lot of people don't quite see it yet. We so all have a reasoned though. choice, for sure. So speaking of self-care, what
0: do you personally, what's your self-care practice? I actually have a free Uh, download ebook on my website. It's called The Gift of Calm. Uh, And this has some of my favorite ways for self-care and just ways to slow down, right? Find a little bit of peace in an overwhelming world. And uh, my favorite way is number one, I'm very big on routines. I love finding time for quiet and stillness, right? So um, morning routine, evening routine, I do quite a bit of meditation, Exercise, but on the same hand, I've learned to really be gentle with that, right? I think people think of exercise and they think of like killing yourself at the gym or, you know, in some crazy CrossFit class or, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes your body doesn't need that, right? The self-care that it's craving is something that's more gentle and easy, like just a walk in the park. But I just love to indulge in, you know, essential oils and burning candles and just setting the stage and really creating a really nourishing environment in my home, right? Like my home to me is such a sacred place. My bedroom, you know, I have an altar. I do a lot of prayer. And really just, yeah, finding those moments for myself and staying present, even in the small moments that I sprinkle throughout my day, right? Even if it's a 10 minute break where I sit on my patio and have a cup of tea and can really just rest and relax and be present for those 10 minutes and not rush. The not rushing is a huge thing when it comes to self-care. I love taking my time when I can and slowing down so that I can intentionally be where I'm at
1: and feel grateful for those small moments. Oh, that's excellent. You're making me smile because one of the things I finally memorized, it's a habit now is if I am rushing, like I'm running late or you know mm-hmm. something's going on where I'm feeling that, that feeling you get when you're rushed, you're under pressure. Yes. The very first thing is I slow down. Yeah. And when I teach people that like, the first thing you need to do is slow down. And they're like, no, I have to go faster. Mm -hmm. No, don't go faster. (laughs) Once you slow down, you know, it clears your mind, you're able to think better, you're able to make better decisions. But it does seem counterintuitive to people. When I say you can get more done if you slow down. So I love that's part of your self care routine. Absolutely. The vast majority of people that I'm speaking to lately, and you just reminded me this with what you were saying, they're feeling very overwhelmed. And when we've polled, you know, at each workshop lately, we've been polling, like, what's the top stress or what's causing all of this stress? You know, people aren't coming down. You know, things are getting more normal now, but people don't seem to be relaxing at all yet. And it turns out that the number one reason, I should say, is the lack of a work-life balance. I don't believe in separating your work from personal life. I think it, it's all intertwined. But when it comes to physically doing tasks, I do think it's important to say, okay, work is over and now it's time for me to focus on me or my family or whatever it is. And I'm assuming a lot of this is because so many of people are working from home that aren't accustomed to it. So, you know, they're having problems with that boundary, but I'm just wondering as we kind of emerge back out into the world again, now they seem to be carrying that with them. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. And if you think it's important.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, more than balance, because I do think that the goal of balance is somewhat elusive, right? You know, there's never going to be a moment where everything is equally in balance. I think what really we're after is harmony. We're after harmony between the different areas of our life, right? The fact is that one week your job might need you more and the next week your family may need you more. And, you know, sometimes overtime happens, right? Meetings go long. There's you know, hair on fire moments where every, it's all hands on deck. And that's okay. I think that actually in my previous life, I spent 10 years in talent acquisition. So recruiting and staffing is a very high stress, fast paced industry. Worked in HR and, you know, it was nonstop. But yeah, I think that right now people are, they've noticed there's no separation. They're living at work, they're working at home spending too much time with their spouse and their children. (laughs) So boundaries are more important than ever. And being firm about those boundaries, I think it's actually a beautiful opportunity to model that behavior for the rest of your family and communicate openly about your needs and how you're feeling. Not to say that it's always easy, but there is an opportunity that's there. And there's also an opportunity to carry it back into corporate America with saying that, hey, this doesn't work for us anymore, right? You know, we talked a little bit about paradigm shifts, Teresa, and this is a huge one. I still do. I mean, there's a lot of career aspects that are intertwined in my coaching sometimes when people are within a transition or they're trying to figure out what they want for themselves. And, you know, one of their biggest complaints is that, yeah, they've got a terrible boss or that their workload is too much. They're understaffed. They're carrying the weight of three positions. So I do think that, it has to come from our voice though right you know it will go on forever if we don't say anything like leadership they don't know any they're they're none the wiser if nobody says anything they just think you know everything's moving along as it should the work keeps getting done well if the if the work isn't getting done or it's not getting done to the standard that they want that's the red flag to you know speak up that's the red flag to say hey we're drowning here we need another position or this isn't working for my life anymore i'm going to have to go find another opportunity so yeah that that too isn't going to be easy but i have hopes for corporate america that they're they're starting to realize that people want flexibility they want support they have lives outside of their job and they deserve to live
1: those lives yeah it's really interesting well first we call our workshop on the topic of work life we call it work-life harmony. <laughs> so oh, really? Oh my yeah, gosh, it's so funny. It's impossible to have a balance. So that we, we felt the same <laughs> exact philosophy. But what I do find also really fascinating as far as this big sort of paradigm shift we're having with work is that I read a poll a couple of weeks ago that 80% of the population in the United States, and I'll bet you it's not just here, they don't want to go back to working in the office five days a week. Right. Many don't want to stay home all the time. A lot of people, you know, it's just not their cup of tea to work from home. Sure. But they like the idea of some kind of a hybrid workplace. And so I believe employers are going to have to pay attention because 80% is, they can't do without 80% of the work population. So
0: that's an alarming amount. And I believe it. I absolutely do. Because yeah, yeah, I think that hybrid model is really amazing because it, it does give people the best of both worlds. It gives them some slack, you know, to some just freedom to, you know, not have to, I mean, especially in, I mean, you're in LA, I'm in Houston. Hello traffic. I mean, how many hours have I spent in the car? <laughs> I'm sure you
1: feel the same. Whew. Yeah, Yeah, that's been the biggest shock to me of this whole thing, because we've been shut down for a long time. We just started opening back up again a few weeks ago. And I don't know, I can't remember even the mileage now, but I drove, um, I have clients all over LA County. So I spent a lot of time in the car, sometimes five hours a day. Oh, wow. I went through at least two tanks of gas a week. And the first year of the shutdown, you know, for all of 2020, I put gas in my car one time and I drove less than 500 miles. And so it was the weirdest thing to me. It was like, oh my gosh, car oh, is going to like fall apart because it's just sitting there. <laughs> I've right? never experienced I that in LA. But yeah, so I'm, I'm not anxious to go back, maybe not this extreme, but I'm not that anxious to go back to the traffic either. <laughs> no, definitely not. Me neither. Uh, well, I think as people go, I mean, what I'm hoping is that as we go through this transition, and the whole country's in a different place, you know, every state's kind of different and I know it's exploding in some places, the virus, but in other places like here, finally, it it seems to just be quickly dissipating, which means everyone at some level is dealing with change. And of course, that's the one area that tends to really trigger stress for people is change, even if it's good change, you know, positive change. For sure. Um and so i'm hoping that they take this opportunity to think through what they've experienced in the last little over a year and that they don't give up on all the things that they found they do enjoy or that do serve them or help them serve others so
0: yes definitely there's been a lot of beautiful self discovery i think for a lot of people in this in this last year and it's you know it's something that we we can't just like walk away from right i mean that once
1: you're awake to that there's there's really no going back yeah. It was like a wake-up call, I think, for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And maybe not a pleasant alarm at the beginning, but <laughs> I think they've kind of figured out like, oh, there's some aspects of this that are pretty good. Mm-hmm, for sure. So if, if we go back to people being anxious and stressed, mm-hmm. as a coach, how do you define the difference or or guide someone to determine whether they should see a coach or a therapist?
0: Sure. That's a great question. The main difference between coaching and counseling or therapy is that Counseling slash therapy is really focused on the past and maybe even the present, whatever's happening, if you need to unravel or make sense of things so that you can then be prepared to move forward. Coaching is about moving forward. It's about the future. It's very future and solution oriented. Past really doesn't matter. We're creating a new future. We're creating a new reality for you. And, and sometimes I, you know, I think coaching works best when you do get to that point where you've made peace with a lot of those things from the path. And now you're ready to take action. You're in a position where you're like, yep, I want to go after that. And that's sometimes the struggle for people who are in therapy or who have been in therapy for a while. They're like, I just don't feel like I'm making any progress. Like it's great to vent and it's great to get those things off my chest, but like, what do I do? Like, I'm not getting any action steps. I'm not getting this kind of support that they're really craving. So yeah, you know, that's, that's the biggest difference there. I mean, coaching is just transformational. I think that having that support during any transition is essential. It just changes your entire experience for the better.
1: I would agree with that. And I'm really curious about your Resilient Woman group coaching program. It's actually called the Empowered
0: Resilient Woman. It's a 90-day transformational program. And, you know, this program was really designed for people to significantly reduce their stress and overwhelm, to say goodbye to self-doubt so that they can live courageously, so that they can break free and just like create a positive, resilient mindset moving forward. So this is going to be great. This is actually the second enrollment that's going to be kicking off in June, June 1st. So May, we will be doing an event on actually May 4th. Certainly we'll be enrolling the entire month of May and kickoff week will be June 1st. So it's it's a powerful program. I think that there's lifelong tools and resources packed into this program. And just the camaraderie too that you get from your fellow group members. I think that sometimes people are a little shy about it, but there's a lot of beautiful connections that are made inside this group. And I just love it. I've had a lot of fun with it this year, and I'm excited to run another round. Oh, wow. That sounds really great and you know this program is really for people who are ready to to move forward they're ready to take action maybe they don't even know what they need but they know that something needs to change and they're not sure where to start like this is a great jumping off point you know if you've been in through a transition if you're just moving into a new phase of your life this is going to be extremely powerful
1: that's great and i'm assuming it's virtual
0: It is virtual. Yeah. The logistics are really, again, not meant to overwhelm or stress you out even more. A lot of it, the the trainings and the the work is really done on your own personal time. And then we have group coaching calls bi-weekly. So it's really, really easy to connect and, you know, to fit it into your schedule because we all do have really busy lives.
1: Absolutely. If someone was interested, how would they find out more information?
0: You know, certainly they can visit our website, which is www.encompasscoachingservices.com. And again, timing we're going to be holding a free masterclass on May 4th. Enrollment is going to go through May 4th to um, basically the start of the program. So there will be a tab on my website that's specifically dedicated to the program. And You know, if you just hop on my website and want to book a free discovery call, um, you know, we can obviously talk about the program. We can talk about one-on-one coaching and really see what is going to be the best fit for, you know, each individual and what really feels right for them at this juncture.
1: I have one more question for you. We ask all of our guests this question, which is when you get stressed, because we all get stressed sometimes, even if we practice everything all the time, but we still have stressful moments. You know, Mm -hmm. you get that call or the deadline's looming or whatever it is. What is your go-to practice to address that specific stress as it rises?
0: Great question. So first and foremost, uh, I'm going to see if there's anything that I can cross off my schedule altogether. What can I say no to? What can I cancel? What can I reschedule so that I can clear some space and create some breathing room for myself? Number two, what are my resources? Who are my people that I can go to for help, who, who I can delegate to? What are the other things floating around in my peripheral that are interfering with the thing that I'm trying to accomplish and again, adding more stress. If I can't cancel it, just get rid of it altogether. Can I delegate it? Can I outsource it? Can I find an easier way? Like that's my motto is when things feel hard, make them feel easy. And then third, find space for self-care. Up that, you know, just be gentle and remind myself that whatever it is, is not the end of the world that I'm going to get through it. And sometimes, just sometimes the best thing that you need in that moment is just to wait, just to give that thing some space and stop pushing on it, to stop rushing it. Because a lot of things just happen in their own time and, and we can't make everything happen. Sometimes we have to sit back and just be patient. And that's also very hard. <laughs> so reminding myself of that is always a, a good practice.
1: That's an excellent practice. And it's certainly part of mindfulness, which is now whatever's going to unfold, just let it unfold, even if it's unpleasant for a little while, because it'll pass, right? Yes. Every day is an adventure. That's for sure. Well, (laughs) I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your information with our listeners. And I wish you best of luck with the second launch of your coaching program. Thank you. I look forward to hearing how things go. So thank you. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Teresa. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Kimberly for joining us today. If you're looking for a little peace in a sometimes chaotic world, Kimberly's free ebook, The Gift of Calm, is available for download at www.incompasscoachingservices.com. Also, visit her website if you're interested in her Empowerment Resilient Woman 90-Day Group Coaching Program that starts June 1st. Enrollment begins May 4th, so check it out soon. Until next time, stay well, be kind to yourself and others, and say no whenever you can. And of course, remember to be mindful. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity. Perhaps most importantly, mindfulness strengthens our empathy and compassion for others, which I believe we need more of in our world today. So practice mindfulness in everything you do. Spend at least a little time meditating every day. And remember to be kind to yourself and others. We're here to do more than just survive. We can thrive. All it takes to start is a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at Work to Live. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro Music Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.